0: Hello and welcome to The Screen Chronicles. I'm Colby and with me as always is Steve and today we are joined by a very special guest. This is someone who really helped set the tone, look, and feel of The Last Kingdom. He was co-executive producer on season one and helped create the wonderful cast we get to see and he directed the first two episodes of The Last Kingdom. Nick
1: Murphy, welcome to The Screen Chronicles. Hello and thank you for having me. I'm really chuffed to be here, chuffed.
2: Yeah, thanks for being on today Nick. How are you doing? I'm great. I,
1: I'm. I, I've. I've really welcomed this. Actually, I. I. It's. A, it's a few years now. Of course, I was on season one. But it's. It, it, you know, some projects you move on from, and you think, okay, that's in a box. Let's go. Let's move on. I've. I've always. I've held Last Kingdom really close to my heart. I. I loved what we did. I loved working on it and all that sort of thing. So the chance to sit down and talk about it is like. Literally, it's like. Uh, being asked to have a cup of tea with an old friend, so I'm I'm delighted to be. Here. Awesome, yeah.
0: good. We're very happy to have you here. Very happy. Have you kept up with the um, seasons following season one?
1: I know I, I, I watched a bit of season two. No, I haven't. I haven't. But you know, I'm in that I'm in that strange world where there is literally so much. Yeah. As a filmmaker, one has to watch. And and I um, but I you know, but I'm so proud of what they've done, and 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 uh, genuinely and delighted where Alex has taken the character oh yeah absolutely and see, seeing i i have this sort of I, I keep every time i message them i see a the new season out or i see a great review or um i see a posting or whatever and i i send a message to eliza or um uh, or, or or someone to to express pride and you know well they give them a thumbs up and i add this rather condescending i just feel so proud i feel i feel like a parent i feel like a parent because there was a time where this thing didn't exist and that's what's e- easy for for um for audiences to forget where we don't have a monopoly on wisdom. There was a time where we're all all sitting around the room going, what the hell is this thing going to look and feel like? And Steve Uh who wrote it had no more firm idea than than I did. And between us, we have to figure out how does it behave? What is it? What are the rules of this world? How does it look and feel? What's the cultural background that leads to the design decisions we make? All these sorts of things. So you do. You carry this immense pride. Once, once you look back and think, that's that's now three and four dimensional, and, and it's it's got a it's got a history of its own. It's got a culture of its own, and that's that's uh, been developed and added to by people smarter and better than me subsequently. But it's um, that's what uh, that's what I feel proud of now that it, that it exists in the way it did.
0: Yeah, and while the the following three seasons really are incredible as well. Um, it still has that thread from season one and that style from season one still kind of mm-hmm. drives through. Would you agree, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we had we, it, the, the brief was, a, was a, a peculiar one. And this, this again, may, may not be something people are aware of. It's a crowded market. Streamers are pretty competitive and, and, and they survive, they live and die on distinction. There's no point if I'm going to subscribe to a, to a service. If I feel that what I can get, I could have got somewhere else, I'll go, I'll stick with something else. why would I why would I resubscribe if I felt what I've seen is something I could have got elsewhere? So my my brief was, and of course Thrones was absolutely at its height then. And my brief was for God's sake, don't make it look and feel like Game of Thrones. As much as we admire Game of Thrones, for God's sake, don't make it feel like Game of Thrones. So what what a director makes a key decision. um, she or he makes any key decisions and I think there's this let's say there a 100 decisions key decisions you make when you're setting up a show and if you get 75% of them right if you get 75 of that 100 right you've got a great show and I've seen shows where they've got 10 of them right and that's why we don't hear of them and they go away and all sorts of stuff so helping me make those 100 decisions was a great was a great team but the key one was one of the key ones was what's our relationship as the filmmaker what's our relationship to the story and, okay. and underpinning the whole thing was a sense that the camera in The Last Kingdom is not the storyteller. The camera is the eyewitness. The camera is the audience's eyewitness. And so however big it gets, however Viking it gets, however however uh, outlandish it gets, it's still people in a room with a problem and no one knows the answers. So any form of action, anybody standing to their feet, anybody interrupting, anybody coming and going, the nature of the way the story unfolds and plays isn't something that I wanted the camera to feel knowledge of it in advance. Of. Okay. So, so it feels much more reactive. And, and whereas you look at something like the, the visual storytelling of, of Game of Thrones, you, you, have a, you have a storyteller, master storyteller, big, high, big, wide shots. They know in advance what's going to happen. They can predict. And, uh, we didn't predict anything. We learned everything through our characters. And, it, and as filmmakers, we never claim to understand any more than, than the audience did.
2: Wow. Very interesting yeah so did that sort of camera style was that influenced i i think i saw you worked on documentaries before you yeah. really got into drama
1: well I, d- I did it does and a lot of my work I and mean, some of my work is 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 as carefully staged as anything else but the the a lot of my work stems from that that aesthetic and i i i think drama i what i don't like in drama is knowing what's going to happen in the next five seconds i think you should be able to pause a drama at any moment in it and not really know what's going to happen. And I don't care mm. if that's, I know she's going to get in the car. I know he's going to reach the end of the corridor. Why? If you if you, if you're giving that audience that, why you, why are you giving them that moment of, I can guess you're killing those five seconds. So leaving everything on the hoof. Yes, indeed. So. It was, it was to the sense of, uh, that when I was documentary making the sense that I would always be led into situations. I, I made some documentaries in pretty tricky situations, pediatric medicine or, Oh. access and, and grieving and funerals and various, various things that that um, that i don't get to control and and all the time i felt pulled drawn in i follow people into situations and follow them down into situations and and that very much became the governing aesthetic and the opening the opening salvo of 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 uh, of episode 1 as we follow as we follow young utri from the beach mm-hmm. up and in, back into the castle to 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 what I don't want to, I can't keep up. I, they're off, they're going, they're going, I'm, you know. So, so I felt immediately the situation was running out of control and the ball metaphorically was rolling off the table from the very, first, from the very offset, from the, wow. from, from the very get go. Um, and that does come from a documentary uh, sensibility. It's certainly not the only way of making films, but it's one it's of one the absolutely underpins the um, one of the key pillars of, of, uh, of Last Kingdom.
0: Very cool, and I think of that opening beach shot I mean obviously you have the wonderful shot looking through the um the amber there looking at uh, bebenberg but then you really feel like you're there the way the camera is kind of free moving and following Utrid or or following Utrid's father Utrid. and um and then just all the scenes just two people talking in a room the way it's not just the camera's not just sit there set there and like panning you know it's moving with the characters or mm-hmm. Kind of moving around them. It makes you to me, it makes you feel like you're in the room with them.
1: That's the key one, Goby, That's absolutely key. If you think if you think in episode uh, two of think back to the first season, episode two, when he goes to Barry St. Edmunds, what we now call Barry St. Edmunds, and, and and the Edmund the King is killed yes. by arrows. You remember Rooney Temper? Um, wonderful scene. Yeah, well that was thirty thank you. That was 13 pages in one room. Um and, and the only way of of really delivering. And 13 pages is usually about 13 or 14 minutes in, in drama. But the only way of really delivering it would be to absolutely put the audience in the room and, and to, to instill in it a sense that I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Uhtred doesn't, he doesn't, Edmund doesn't. Only this nut job with a beard seems to understand where this is going. And, and that requires visual reaction. To, yeah. to what's happening, if somebody interrupts, oh shit, he's talking, oh God, he's talking, and now, now he's looking over there as a painting, what's that? Everything is reaction to um, to that, and, and that, that's exactly what I'm talking about, that key experience. Honestly, of, of um, there's a lot I'm proud of in what we did in Last Kingdom, and I think with that, that extended scene, and the tense and tautness of what could be an incredibly stolid, boring men in a room talking. Totally. Um, uh, the, the fact that that had the life intention that it did um, I think is one of the things I'm most proud of and certainly from a directorial point of view of, uh, in those first two episodes.
2: that scene is one of our favorite from the whole show <laughs> that, that whole episode episode two is honestly yeah. that was the one I really liked episode one I loved it it got me very interested but episode two was the one that got me like um, I have to watch this the whole way through now you know this is like how you were talking earlier uh, some shows you mean- fall off You know, yeah but
1: you mean you meet david you know you meet alfred you meet it's it, it's where it all comes together it's a great shame we did try we thought ah, can we get to alfred can we get to sussex can we get that in the first episode and there was so much to do it was so important with with uh, with with his uncle and nutrients you know um, and ragnar and and the the childhood and the the bonfire and, oh my god even as i'm saying so i remember what a laugh that was to tell <laughs> So yeah. Oh yeah, the barn. Oh my god, I'll talk about that separately. Yes, but we, we, we yeah, we, we, there was, there was so much to get through. We couldn't get to Alfred in the first episode, so you did have this sort of huge build-up to to knowing that Alfred was coming, and that's one of the reasons I didn't show Alfred initially. So when you finally make it to his inner chambers, I thought I'm going to hold off a little bit more. I'm just going to have this dis- dis- disconnected voice just coming from the next door room. And as if to play with this idea that we, we said, who's Alfred, who's Alfred, who's Alfred, who's Alfred. And even then, I'm going to, even when I get to his to his study, I'm going to hold off a little bit more.
0: You're not going to um, see him right away. You'll hear him, but you're not going to see him. Exactly, exactly. Very cool. Very, exactly. very cool. Yeah. And I mean... No, I love, I love
1: episode two. And you really feel, you certainly, in episode two, you really get that clash between what, what is the, the, the clutch plates, the two plates that are going to rub together of Danish and Saxon culture. In a way, you didn't quite get, because you never saw that conflict and those opinions cast around in in in, in the first episode, nobody really gave opinion of the Vikings. Nobody give right. given opinion of the Saxons. That was more about the childhood and his upbringing and the and the betrayal. But then you suddenly think, okay, now I can see it's yeah, it's, it's these two sides are against against each other. I can, I get it and, uh, yeah. and and that underpinned the whole thing.
0: And I think one one moment I think of in episode two is when Utrud rides into Winchester dressed as a Dane. And it's kind of the first time we see these, these people in Winchester obviously haven't seen many Danes in their li- lifetime at this point. And they're just kind of cowering away, mm-hmm. just staring at them. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing I definitely think about there.
1: Well, that, 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 that was there, there was a key design um, decision made with Ros Little, who was costumed in the first season. Um, and I wanted I, I wanted first I wanted Danes and, and Scandinavian actors to play the Danes. So I didn't want anybody okay. faking, it, faking their accents. And I wanted the sure. audience... There was, there was, in part, a cultural sort of uh, need to do that. But I wanted the audience to not question who's who. I knew, wanted to be, be able to... I knew we were going to have a, a load of room with wooden rooms, basically. Wooden straw rooms and beans and, old, and people and old horses. And unless they looked radically, clearly different, I'm not going to follow what's going on. So, so the, the decision I took is um, we might side with the Saxons. We might wish we want we we might want Sussex to win, but okay. we want to be Vikings. That's the key. Right. The yes. And, right. And that, I want to go forward. <laughs> so I we I wanted the, the Vikings sexy and augmented and things on them and they they, they were the punk rockers. They had the cool yes. tats, facial tats, and extra bits and cool tats. Whereas the, the silhouette of the ashen, rather dull, Christian, boring, reduced, austere. Um, appearance right. of, of the christian saxons nobody you know sure lovely and everything and I, I and i want them to win but they d- don't appeal in the same way and, and the rock stars had arrived and i really wanted the feeling of rock star so when Uchard rides into into um into sussex into wessex uh is it Wesse- wessex into Wessex the the you really you really get a sense of actually this this a rock stars arrived and they would never seen anybody arrive. This is like Sid Vicious in the seventies as home. Going into uh, into into a department store. That's what I wanted to feel like. And uh and, and and you know, we we all we all got off on that. And then and then comes the one man who couldn't give a shit who's wearing what. Everybody's an arsehole you know, it, out, out comes um, yeah. Adrian Bauer coming Adrian out, Bauer, yeah, yeah. yeah, Lea Fridge eating his apple, yeah, it's just great stuff. So, what really drew
2: you to this project to begin with?
1: We're very, very we're very genre literate, all of us. We watch a load of stuff, don't we? And you know, your audience is no different. What appealed is the chance to get it wrong. the, 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 the. the, the I'd seen it done before badly, and I love that. I think okay. It's it's dying to be done wrong, so we're going to do it right. We're going to do what we're going to undo all the sins I've seen of that genre before, and they included. Look, if you if you make any genre piece, in, in, be it Roman or whatever, you stick an actor in a in a, in a toga, um, and just give him a line, he will start to speak like this without being asked to speak because he thinks that is how Romans speak, it. and 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 that and that's them doing their job because they think that's what's expected. And no different with this. So if you put somebody in a big hairy costume or whatever, they start to speak, ah, 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 and they shake hands like this, and they spill their beer. And why are you spilling your beer? Why, well, they're no more interested in spilling beer on their clothing then than they are now. So, <laughs> and uh, so we had this phrase in development of the project and all the way through our filming. In fact, I think it's probably, I'd be surprised if it's not still mentioned on set, this phrase we used saying, there was no goose legs. And things would be a bit goose legs. Stop doing that. It's a little bit goose leg. And what I mean is often... I eat, I eat a leg of a goose. <laughs> and, that, and I'd seen that in these dramas, okay? So I was saying, well, whatever we do, we're not having a goose leg thing. And Steve Bouchard used it, and he would say, in his stage directions, he puts his mug down, but not in a goose leg way, and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. It's a code that nobody else who wasn't across it would understand, but we, Steve and I absolutely subscribed, and everybody, I have to say, from exact downwards, and, that, subscribe to that idea of, conduct yourself as a human being, let the period take care of itself. so that the concerns that, that, that the, the, the senior Uhtred has for his son's safety or, or whatever, it's just the dad not wanting his son to get in trouble. it's not. Matthew McFadden wasn't behaving like I'm a king, I'm a king. he's behaving like a a, a man who's brutish yes but human all the same. a human? yeah a human being. And 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 the the rest is for the is for the show. So even Ragnar, I, I cast a deliberately quite a soft actor, quite a gentle, uh-huh. gentle appearing man, rather than uh, rather than somebody like Rune, who who from a hundred paces you think, oh my God, never fight. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I wanted him to be what everybody uh, you know the, the quintessential, rather than rather than Ragnar, and that Ragnar's actions and reputation carry. Carry the, the, the fear factor for him. So him, him blinding a child is, oh, Jesus, he's a cuddly guy. What the fuck? Right, uh, right. Rather than thinking, yeah, Uber blinds a kid, yeah, whatever. That's what Uber does. You know what I mean? I wanted, I wanted to feel the human beings emerge from within, uh, within the Viking world. Of it.
0: It's amazing. And Steve and I talk about it all the time mm-hmm. about how we couldn't believe that Ragnar the Fearless was only in one episode because right. we felt like we knew him so well.
1: Right. You know right. what I mean? Well, that's Steve's writing. Uh, Steve Butchard was chosen, I think, and, and, and chose it before I came on, i have to say, because he writes humans and family really well. He is, he is a really great... I mean, I, funnily enough, I heard there was a... Ricky Gervais was on his... Uh, I was sent a clip by Alexander uh, Draymond of Ricky Gervais on Instagram saying, you know, he's absolutely loving Last Kingdom. He completely loves it. But one of the things he talks about is that idea of it being the politic, the political, the human stories within, right. within that world. And, St- and Steve writes those beautifully. It's also the wit, the warmth he could bring in the midst of what is, what is jeopardy-filled, it is incredible. So so you look at Harry McIntyre's character and, and the Ragnars and young Ragnars. Charm. I mean, my God, is there a sexier man in the world than young Ragnar? <laughs> you know, but the ease with which he teases young Lutrid and... Yeah. and all that. I mean, God, we all fancied Tobias. I mean, straight oh, yeah. or, I mean, straight or gay, we all fancy him. He's <laughs> great. He's now a dear friend, but he's... Uh, unfortunately, he supports Newcastle United. But other than that, he's a lovely oh. man lovely man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. so speaking of the casting about this show, I mean yeah. you did such a wonderful job and so many of these characters have lived on right through season 3, season 4. Sure. Um, so could you talk about how that process began? gladly gladly.
1: again we've quite a young cast because we, we, we knew um, the average age of anybody living in those days was 50 something. You, you were an old fellow if you got to 60. Right. so we weren't gonna be i didn't want to go to venerated older actors of british stage and screen i wanted this sense of of uh, life got going quite young in those days so we we, we auditioned a lot of people that i didn't know already And kelly hendry who was the casting director um brought in people saying i've heard great things but it literally was like that i saw her in this thing at Radar, i saw i saw her in this thing, I have a look at it so i wasn't in, in normal circumstances i'd say hey i saw this thing let's get this guy in, i saw him these were a load of unknown people. Even David Dawson, I didn't know. Alexander, um, we didn't know at all. So wow. it was a huge process, much bigger casting process than normal. And we went to, we looked at loads of Utrids, loads of them, really okay. super actors, super actors uh, who, who read very well, but just didn't have for me what Alex has, which is I wanted, I wanted to feel that this is a guy that a legend could sit on Mm. and I felt that Alex, Alex is the sort of actor that in a wide shot, you look at him and it's nothing to do with, he happens to be unbelievably beautiful, but that, that is literally isn't why we cast him. I I swear to God, I I just felt there's a thing where you, he he ticks to a slightly different time of clock than everybody else. Mm. He seems to be made of a slightly different substance to everybody else. Uh, and, and that is something that he, uh, we, we were, uh, Chrissy Skins and I is a wonderful, wonderful producer. She produced subsequent seasons as well, but she she was the producer of season one. And we were in Budapest starting wrecking. We were already wrecking and designing and stuff and we still hadn't found our Utrecht and we are starting to get a little bit, are we gonna find our ah. compromise on it and all of that. And we came back from a wrecking, we have been out in the woods or somewhere and we got back to the hotel. And we said, listen, we're gonna meet down in here an hour and have this meeting with this stunt director or, or whatever it be. We went back to our hotel rooms, both of us, and we looked at the casting tapes that had come through on the on on the portal. And an hour later we met in the lobby and the lift doors opened. I'd seen Alex's tape that he'd self-taped in LA and sent over. The lift doors open, I look across the lobby at Chrissy. Chrissy comes out and goes, like this, because she has as well, and we both fucking knew. We knew, we knew it. We knew. And 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 I you know I I'd shown it to, I've worked with some big actors and I showed I showed uh, later on I showed um, Alex's tape to uh, an actor called Paul Bettany and Paul watched the first five seconds and said he's a star he's a star that that's what it is and I don't know what the fuck it is until you see it it's like it's like anything else I don't know I'm in love until it happens and and a star is the same it's the same thing with, with that um, so he he was he was a late addition so we were casting an awful lot. Not knowing, and Tom Taylor, who looks un- who played know. young Utrid, who looks yeah. unbelievably like him, yeah, he, was, so. he was cast like three months before Alex. Wow! And it was just a stroke of luck. If we'd found somebody that was a different colouring or different, we would have we'd have been sunk. But but Tom came in, uh, and and here's the other end of the scale. We 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 auditioned hundreds of old Uhtreds. We auditioned one young Uhtred. Really? And it was Tom, and he he came in. And it was the start of it, and and Kelly said, "Look, we're going to get into this and everything." But the kid's in town, and let's let's sit him down. And he lives in on the South Coast of England, and he's up in London. Let's sit him down. And he did this reading. Uh, and uh, with children, it's very tricky to to okay. get them to relax and everything. I was given something to do, so I gave him my watch to sort of play with while he was doing this scene, talking to to um, Bayoka in in the. In the uh, where they're talking in episode one about um, what the Danes are going to do, and who, why the Danes are bad. And remember that, that uh, scene in Bjorka's study. And he did this audition and he, he had blonde hair. He, he's naturally very, very, very blonde. Okay. And uh, um, he did this audition and lovely kid, nice boy, left the room and everything. And I turned to Kelly and I said, what can we do now? It's like we got, and she said, with, with kids, if you find it, book it, that's it. It's don't kill yourself. You'd be looking for months to find, and he was wonderful. He was wonderful on set, bright as a button, great future, amazing. So, so yeah. So the rest of the cast came together in this sort of piecemeal way. Eliza Butterworth was a really tricky one to place because it says on the page she's incredibly dour and plain, and Eliza's beautiful. <laughs> so, so she the personality
0: rep- is vital. Oh
1: yeah, I mean she's amazing. Eliza. real. She's, she's going to be. Eliza's going to be like Olivia coleman Dame judy Dench. Type, uh, I think she's just she's that good, I'm absolutely convinced of it. Um, yeah. but she came in, so she, she'd read the stage directors as well, so she comes in looking really dour and plain and all this sort of stuff. And the fair game to her, so that you know, she, she's stuck at it, she's stuck to the uh, the brief when she's, uh, and of course, if you ever see her out about for drinks in Budapest after filming, she's very uh, very <laughs> beautiful, but um, glamorous,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, no, so so it all came together like that. A lot of the Danes are cast. Rooney was, was a no brainer, he sent his. That's what it. it
0: sounded like when we talked to him. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, he 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 wore a big fur coat and had his beard ready, and he just that's oh well, right. <laughs> so, what pick.
2: about uh, Alfred, though? Um, because he's he's yeah. another character that's in another show, Vikings. But for me, I think David Dawson's Alfred is like the quintessential definition of the character. Now, it's like you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, it's... Yeah, you know, yeah,
1: it's like a, I, I, I agree with you. D- David, uh, I knew of, actually, I did know okay. of him. But, uh, but no, what I was after was a man who, at first glance, you is absolutely the last man you can imagine creating in England. And yeah. uh, so, so when, when we meet him, he is sickly and thin and has none of the steel, he has full of indecision, full of self-doubt, that Steve had put on the page, and even his, even the way we conducted the scene where he first meets Utrud and talks about his ambitions for England, one England, I, I wanted a feeling that this was for the, for him, this is just a purely academic exercise. I don't believe this, this man is capable of this. This is, this is an intellectual exercise. A man surrounded by books who's got this intellectual idea about what England could be, uh, however fiercely held. And indeed, he double crosses in in the space of C, uh, episode two. He's double right. crossed. Um, so, so you don't feel he's, he's noble and likable. And, and, and so, so because we knew we had a long way to go, we had a long way to go with Utrud and Alfred and we couldn't have, we, we couldn't have one of these relationships where they don't like each other just because people keep saying they don't like each other. You wanted to really feel it's chalk and cheese, man. I mean, Utrud is, and, and Alex helped push this, this idea, yeah. of Alex will always step forward, Utrud will always step forward to his own detriment always step forward without thinking, just go in, do it. And that, and that important in episode one, that idea that he, he goes, he goes to, to to try and find his sister in the in the burned out encampment, that he walks right through the middle of them, thinking yeah. this is the last place they'll expect me to do it. I'm just gonna fucking walk. I'm dressed like a Dane, they're dressed like a Dane, I'm going <laughs> yeah. in. And, and that, being, that being the heart of his character. Whereas the cerebral uh, Alfred, he thinks everything through and considers and yeah. steps back and takes place against walls when he makes decisions. And these sorts of, these sorts of physical um, manifestations of their characters, uh, you really feel at odds. And I think one of the things they managed to do so well, both Steve and subsequent writers Sophie Petzl and other writers um, did with those two characters is you really feel, God, I, I get they need each other. I get they need each other. I believe that, but I still don't believe they like each other. Right, right. Uh, and, and so I, th- I think their relationship never actually makes it to, it makes it to love. It makes it to love for what they've been through together, but I don't think it ever makes it to like. I don't yeah. think they ever like each other. And That's I, a I, way I it. Which, is, which is great drama. That's just great drama. And David absolutely captured that. David had a sort of intellectual rigor and a strength and a silence and a quiet and a, a sort of pointedness that I, uh, that I thought actually putting together something as complex as what he was going to try and pull off um, yeah. is, is, is not straightforward. And, and to it, it, so I wanted a chess player. And David, David, yeah,
0: David. yeah he's not a warrior type build I mean in the first time we see him I don't know if that was deliberate to have his shirt off to kind of show um, of that he's kind of a smaller stature but his inner strength is so apparent you know what I mean? It yeah. just, and, and and
1: and is tested his inner strength we then see tested sure. um, and, and there's a journey there to be had if you meet a guy and you know certain genres can take it you meet the warrior you meet the guy he's going to do it you need to feel that there's some jeopardy existing. So, and, I, and truly, you know, for all for all the the uh, look at look at Eliza and, and his relationship. Mm-hmm. What, what what you know, he's he's topping everything that moves um, <laughs> uh, 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 with 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 fair abandon. But right. but when tested towards the end of season one with the, with their the, the child, um, in yes. an incredibly moving. I that that that, that oh. Was, was oh, was absolutely heartbreaking. Yes. You, you you really feel that that relationship is is forged um, rather than rather than broken. It's it's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary journey that they take, and Steve, I have no hand in it, but the that they go on. when 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 he looks with sort of pain, please please to mm, to, yeah. to uh, Charlie, it's it's extremely extremely powerful. Yeah. Oh
0: my God! It it really is. It really is, and I also love the first time they talk about him being tested is in episode two, when Bayaka tells him, um, "You know, bring that girl into your service, and uh, you know, resist resist her." her. (laughs) Yeah, instead of sending her away, I thought that was kind of a cool thread, and
1: it's kind of brilliant by Bayaka, isn't it? I I think that's that's that's. uh, I can't remember if that's in the books. I I. Mm-hmm. It's kind of brilliant yeah. by Steve, uh, the way, uh, the pragmatic way faith can get used uh, by people in the sense of God wants you to mm. do this or whatever. But that, uh, no, that, that, um, that idea, of, I'm going to make you feel better about having your affair. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and that's why he stuck around. And, that, and, and Ian's character, Bianca, is just a gem. What a great, great actor. I know oh um, he, he, he did a tremendous job.
0: Yeah. yeah and he's one of the more recognizable actors and it's in yeah. episode one there's a few recognizable actors like Rucker Hauer and, and Peter Gansler and, and then pretty much from then on out besides Ian Hart it's, it's a lot of new faces for us. well that
1: was deliberate I mean Rucker I, 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 uh, I wanted him to be iconic and, and mm. uh, we, we, but in both cases for each side I wanted to kill an icon so so ah. uh, older Uhtred, king utred um yep. uh, Matthew McFadgen, very <laughs> yeah. well known actor over here because he 's now known better in succession over there, but he right. he he was a really really he is a really really well known actor over, over in the u k um and and so I wanted this sense of of when, when you think okay here i've met i've met one of the stars of the show, and holy shit, there's a sword sticking out of his neck what the hell i, I you know I wanted that sense um and I, I enjoy that in movies when when uh, when that sort of when that sort of thing happens the the unexpected uh, the unexpected death. I always remember a film called To Live and Die in L.A. And, and two thirds of the way through the copper that it's been about, it's suddenly shot in the face. I'm thinking, how's he going to survive that? That's weird. You know, he doesn't is the answer. So um, and and likewise with with uh, with Rooker's uh, character. I wanted to I wanted to really uh, clear the decks and say that this is this is purposefully not going to be about the star system. It's going to be, I I think if you've got a project that's financed and you don't need the stars to do that, then you are giving the audience immense ownership of characters if you let them discover, Mm. rather than having to twist their idea about the character into Robert De Niro or whomever, wonderful actors though they be. I think the the best case scenario is that feeling the audience that they found Aylswift or they found you know, yeah, character themselves, um, and then I think, particularly for long-running series, I think you the audiences feel real possession.
0: Oh, we felt definitely possessional of the show, um, especially when we saw. We felt we found the show, like we felt we found these characters, for sure. Um, right. Now I, I found an old interview from Rucker Hauer and he said that you told him that you didn't want him to play Raven as a blind man, even though he is blind. Could you mm-hmm. talk to that a little bit?
1: I've happened to have known a few blind people and they, I, you know, you don't really know they're blind until um, right. they're helped to their feet or something. Um, and I think there's, again, it's a cliche of, of the of the wise old man who looks into the distance and all. Whereas I just think play, play, play the character and let's, let's learn about his blindness through that. And, and oh. he, he brought such Rook Rooker was a, he was a law unto himself, bless him. He really was, and 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 I spoke to him about a week before he died, and mm. he, you know, he 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 was a dear chap, and would just conduct everything he did on set in his own way. He took direction and notes. He was interesting, very wonderful, wonderful presence on set. But um, you know, he would he would smoke wherever he wanted, and I I, I met him in well, I met him first time in in a hotel in Budapest. The whole show was shot in Budapest. as you know. We met in the Corinthia hotel and he lit up a cigarette. He's chatting away and he lit up a cigarette. And the, but the waiter, the charming waiter came over and said, I'm so sorry, sir. You can't smoke in here. And he says, I know. I <laughs> <Just laughs> smoking. Never forget it. But he he, he did. We were talking about the dialogue and the need to sort of crumble and really possess and own the dialogue and not be too formal is what I talked about earlier. Not to sort of over-formalize everything in that oldie world he and I asked him about um, the rumor that he'd made up his his uh, death speech in in, uh, in Blade Runner, and he said, no, he didn't. He, he edited a lot out. He didn't add anything. Um, yeah. he, he felt if a man was running out of battery, he wouldn't actually say much, and so he he's, he suggested losing an awful lot of it. But he said the bits they kept, and he started doing the speech. Now I'm uh, <laughs> I'm meeting I'm meeting Rook and he's doing the fucking speech. I can't believe I let out this little how <laughs> um, oh, chuffed um, I couldn't believe it and then just towards the end he spilled the last line like deliberately threw it away like, all, these, all these moments will be last like tears in the rain no 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 you threw it away <laughs> you threw it away <laughs> he did it I have seen things you people would not he did the whole thing peaceful. I feel like I thought I've got to bring my brother um, oh, no but he was he was a lovely guy and, and, and he, he uh, that sort of I, I'm my own set of rules underpins, right. underpins, underpins Raven completely Guy, yeah. he's not. I'm not going to be frightened of this kid. I'm not going to be impressed with that. I'm not going to be impressed with these kings that come and go. But, yeah, I'm my own set of rules. And actually, I, I love that scene with him and Tom up on the balcony with the, yeah. with the sort of totally. background distractions of torture going on up and down, <laughs> um, which, which cracked us up a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So> the oh's <laughs> yeah. from the
1: crowd. When... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh! Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and timing all of those and everything like that. That was uh, no, that was a giggle. And and th- th- there was there was always a sense of wit. There is always a sense of a lovely, and that's Steve's legacy, Steve Buchan's legacy. Always a sense of wit being quite close to the surface on that. Though those things weren't didn't have to be in the script, but but it was consistent with the way Steve had had uh, had written things. And the, the 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 warmth when when they're waiting for the sword to get made in episode two. That that oh, yeah. and the play fighting between them, and 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 all of that. That, that, that's, that's not on the page and the pulling tons and all that sort of stuff. But if you, if you allow the actors to sort of dribble, to sort of leak that out and, and they run with it. And I think it beds in that relationship beautifully between, between Emily and Alex. Um, oh, totally. Scenes, I, I, I love this. I saw them recently actually. I haven't watched it for a while but I saw that one. i very proud
2: yeah so i what where does the distinction between the writer what he wants the vision to be versus the director where does that sort of line come in and how do that's you make a that? good
1: that's a good question steve it depends on the writer and the director if she or he is is headstrong and won't collaborate then in television it usually goes the way of the writer if i'm honest and i've just worked with Stephen knight who's a really prominent writer and in in a sort of a tete it would have come down with him. The, the The infrastructure of the program would have said, "Yeah, but Steve wants it, so sorry, pal." And I, you know, and that's not. I'm not sparing myself the blushes. I'm an influential. You know, I'm taken seriously as a director. I've got, I've got clout, if you like, so to speak, whatever that means. But in those circumstances, it would have. But Steve Buchard was very, very open, and 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 it's a case of finding when you when you. When you, I guess you're talking about a, you're talking about a marriage too. So when when you find the right relationship, you can't really trace back whose idea it was. You one bounced off the other, this this sort of thing. I've worked with Lenny James, who's who an actor you know from from Walking Dead, but the the is a is a is a brilliant writer, um, and he and I struck a similar sort of relationship where, where you, you get simpatico, you stand up, stand up beside and talk the same language. So I can't remember. What was in the stage directions was that was the thing was that you know it was just you you know that all the ships are sailing in the same direction Mm. um so those conflicts don't come about if they do come about something serious has gone wrong it's it's like Mm. you can't have the director you can't have her making one show and and the writer she's making another show that that's never going to produce a good show it won't be the source of all bad shows but i think it's terribly hard if there's major conflict between those two
0: very interesting mm. and before we start jumping into um, some of the episodes one and two in a little bit more detail can you talk about what it was like before there was anybody casted when it was just an idea and what it was like bringing that idea to fruition right from the very beginning
1: when, when these things are nebulous and they don't really exist part of your responsibility as the, as the lead director is to give is to cement it in the minds of key people you're working with because. Filmmaking works. It's not an auteurs thing. I don't buy that for a second. The idea that Ridley, that Ridley Scott made a film on his own, or Stanley Kubrick made a film on his own—of course he didn't. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. You've got to get everybody to use their expertise. If if you say my job as director is to make, is to illuminate and improve the ideas of the writer, no matter how good they are, is to make them even better and illuminate that work. And Everybody else's job is to use their expertise to make my ideas better. And and that, when that clicks and works, it's a joy. So in the early stages, when it doesn't exist, one of the first questions your heads of department, as they start to come on, as you start to interview them, as you start to work out whether they're the right guy for the job or the right girl for the job, is to give them an idea about what it is you're aiming at. What's the target? Where are we wanting the golf ball to land? and and you'll find their first questions and this goes for a long way through the the filming process of all production the questions you have from your collaborators they don't care whether it's the right answer or not they don't care whether it's a smart answer or not they care that you know they want to know does he know and you can see the relief drain into them when you say okay I see it as I want a turquoise room and I want something punchy color on the sofa, like a red sofa or something, but not taking up the whole room. Something that I can make an iconic image with. Oh, thank God he knows what he wants. The last thing they want is, I don't know, I just want it to be sort of warm and kind of funky, but not funky, but not, sort of edgy, but not the too... Uncertainty. You know? Yeah, I mean, this is no help to anybody. So so the early stages of a project like, like Last Kingdom is you give them, you, you're wanting to impart a sense of how you want the world to feel. And, okay. and things like the people aren't going to eat goose legs. People like the rock stars are going to arrive on an austere, cold planet. And, and, and this is an alien invasion film. You've got to think of this as an alien invasion film. You help them start forming ah i can see what it is they're aiming at and i was only taking off what i got principally from i mean slightly from bernard's books but principally from from steve's writing but that's what we're going to do and it's on the back of that that i got the gig in the first place to say if you hire me this is what i'll give you i'll give you an alien so even though i don't have all the answers at that stage you've got you've got to say that this is the ambitions of what it is we're going to try and pull off and and uh, you know, for years, I've fumbled around at, at analogies and, and, and comparisons with other crafts and other businesses and other things. There aren't really. There mm-hmm. aren't. You are, you are, other than the fact that you are going to send guys out. You're painting a massive picture. Yeah. You can't do every brushstroke. You're going to send guys out to do those brushstrokes for you, but you, they've got to know what picture you your drawing. otherwise right you know, it 's going to be a Jackson Paul at one end and a man at the other and, and <laughs> no good for anyone you know, you know.
0: what kind of other research did you do coming into the show
1: um, I did a little bit of research about the the technology and I did research about uh, the Vikings particularly, and okay. this coincided actually when we were tooling up for this. It coincided with a brilliant exhibition about the Vikings in at the British Museum. Oh. Um, and, 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 and at the heart of that was a load of documented evidence of people being, uh, there was one letter bollocking somebody for eating in a sloppy way, um, and cheating on their wife and that sort of thing. So the idea of sort of, ha ha ha, we spill our drinks and all that sort of thing. Uh, I could, I could, I could think, okay, well, let's make that a thing. Let's make that not the way we conduct ourselves or whatever. Right. Um, so so I did that I didn't I didn't uh question the history I didn't look at okay well it was 83 BC yeah, I didn't go into all of that um, okay. BC AD whatever 380 when is it, when is it set I forgot when it's set. Eight, um, the eight, late 800s late 800s, 800s is it starts yeah. yeah um so I didn't go into, into into all of that and when Wessex fell and when how uh, when you know Barry Sedmens fell or whatever but I did I did I did see enough to know that the towns were all called something wildly different and i found that right. quite fun so that's why I, I always put the first the the, the old Saxon word up and then turned it into what we call it today I Oh i love that that's quite, that's quite nice for audiences oh oxford so. jesus oxford's <laughs> tiny there's only five buildings you know um and and we we did by and large martin john and i the designer the production designer on season one did by and large try and stick to okay how big would oxford have been how big would very seven okay and that sort of stuff um, uh, so we could be reasonably accurate because the, that, that again we found quite fun the idea that these these places that we, we find hugely sort of you know the massive places now and well known around the world was once three ox and the and barn.
2: You know? we're both fans of uh, after this watching this show we started being really interested in other sort of like medieval time shows trying to get that that fix again when we finished uh, binging the first three seasons that were out uh, and we got we got into vikings um, after that and honestly we we liked the last kingdom more and i'm not just saying that because we're talking to you but uh it it does feel like so different but vikings did come out before the last kingdom so was that something uh, I you had talked about game yeah. of thrones yeah or is that I something you seen. were like trying yeah, to distinguish I yourself did.
1: And, and one of the things that bothered me about uh, well, Vikings is a great show, it doesn't need, doesn't need my yay or A Um, it's a hugely popular show, but but I, I didn't like the way they I, I think it was a bit oldie worldly in the way it conducted itself and and, and Arthurial somehow conducting itself, <laughs> you know, even to the point that you'll notice in, in season one of episode uh, 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 in season one, even Alfred didn't have a throne, he had a stone. I wanted everything pushed away from what we traditionally sort of see as an Arthurian legend. I didn't know whether Alfred sat on stone or not, but it felt Right. Um, and, and they didn't blend interior and exterior very well. I liked the, 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 the way always in, 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 in Last Kingdom we, we, we emerged from one and out. So when we built the barn that uh, we had to build for in season one before we burnt an exterior version of that, um, that was inside the studio, but we we knocked down the side wall of the studio so I could see out, and it was definite daylight, mud, trees. Yeah. So we really get a sense that the outside is connected to the inside. So it was useful. Vikings was useful in this ways. again, in the early days, to say to guys, you see that? We're not going to do that. We are. We li- I like that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that was quite useful. But I, I, you know, I only saw one episode of it. And in truth, I, it's not I only saw one episode because I didn't, not watch the rest because it's because you like it. It's just you need to clear your palate, you need to clear your head. You, you check on something. I've made supernatural films, and you know, you go and watch right. it now, or you are go and watch The Awakening, like you go and watch um, Shining, and then you think, Okay, I've seen those, right? Let's stop watching them now. Let's let's make our own film. Interesting. Um, yeah.
0: One, th- one thing I notice about a lot of films from that time period is getting the lighting right. And at Last Kingdom, again, it just looks so real and it other shows it looks like it's being lit by leds in the in the great hall and can you talk a little bit about your idea
1: yeah I mean (laughs) yeah right I I just think Christ man we've all been in in barns in a farm and it doesn't look like that you know (laughs) I I don't know why I guess they have this thing where they want to be cinematic or come on so Chaz Bain shot the first two two seasons just
0: phenomenal
1: great guy and Chaz, uh and i've done a couple of jobs together but he he um prior to that we've done plenty since but he he was brave enough is what i think because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the balls to say no i'm not gonna light it let's just put a light up there and let's pull it off there and let's blow that out and leave that natural um and and the naturalism of that is is It's not easy to do, but it's also it's brave because you need bravery from them. You need bravery from the actors because shadows are going to fall there, aren't they? Not flattering, and and, right, right. uh, And they've got to forget about it. But my my feeling was I didn't want I wanted 360 so I could develop things around the room and the movement. And as as Steve alluded to earlier, where the camera can react from A to B and not be doink doink doink. Right. And if you shoot what we call down the line, then you can, you can do lovely wrapped light and all that sort of thing, because just out of frame are some lighting stands here, just nicely doing their business. But you can't do that if you're being mobile. So very much the sort of the raison d'etre of the approach was based on the, on the truthfulness of, what, of, of it, because that was going to, A, facilitate us in the filming. of it, But right. B, engender this feeling of you're in the room, man. You're in the room when this thing is happening. and You're just trying to totally. follow it what's going on and, and if you go to all those lengths and then undermine it with a beautiful tickle of backlight and a bit of smoke wafting from, you, from the thing then I think you, you're undermining it, you. it's a waste, it's a shame. so yes it was very very deliberate to make it look as bad as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right.
0: and, and not that we do exactly know what it would look like back then but it just feels like yeah. if I had a time machine and just plot myself back in that time that it would look something like that. That's the it key. Feels like it.
1: That's the key thing, and we always said if be- if be- if we stumble on beauty, we're not going to ignore it, but we're not going right. to we're not going to deliberately go out of our way to create it. So when they're standing watching, I can't remember what's burning in the distance um, in episode two, and when uh, oh um, Breeder and um, and Uhtred, the, the fire makers, they're learning. I guess they're learning never to fight Uber. They've right. learned that lesson, and she says, "Let's go. We will make our own fire." That Was a beautiful sunset going down. We shot the scene in the same location, it was a two shot thing. We waited for the sun, it was just pretty as a picture. And yeah. and we, you know, every time I see that shot, I, I hum the, the the um Tatooine Star Wars theme, hey. like I see it as it was the Tatooine shot. I'd love to hum it now, but I don't want to get you into rights issues. With you things. mean
0: like the two sun shot? Yeah, like, the two sun. Looking...
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. one yeah. John Williams chasing us, but the you know, the tune <laughs> I mean. Um, in fact, when the visual effects department put put the fires in, they took me to I, I went to them to uh, to check the visual effects and all that sort of stuff. And you have sort of weekly meetings to go along and sit in that little cinema. Mm-hmm. And when I was checking the shot, they put that music onto it. So oh, quite,
0: perfect. Yeah. And you were like, "Keep it." Keep it. Yeah. yeah exactly,
1: <laughs> Mr. Williams. Um, <laughs> But no. So if we, we if we found beauty, we, we would we would keep it. And the light for young Uhtred finding his father on the hillside and things um, oh. with, with the stake in his in his mouth. Um, these sorts of moments, uh, we we didn't wait and cheat the light. You just embrace it. And I I, I felt that all the way through these seasons there've been moments of absolute mm. beauty. Um,
0: totally. Um, and you yeah. bring up the music. And yeah. did you? Speaking of that shot, right after Uhtred finds his father staked into a pole through his mouth, mm. um, he goes and kind of kneels in the grass, and we we kind of get that dun 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 that that John Loon Ivor music coming mm. in. Did you already mm. know the music before that? I, I John or? and I
1: before I went to film it, John and I met, and he he said that there's, there's uh there's this singer I want you to hear, and and, and he, he'd seen a clip on on. YouTube, I think, or somehow, and and we were both captivated by, mm. by her. So we knew she was part of the plan. Okay, and 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 all I'd said is, look, I'd said what everybody says, which is, if 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 you hear it twice, you know you've heard it before. I, it's distinctive. I wanted it to be incredibly distinctive, um, uh, and to not pander to the the tropes of the genre before. And and this okay. this this, this uh, she clearly. Did that wonderful voice? I didn't know until we get back into the cutting room, and I think, okay, I need. I'm um, looking for something of this sort of thing. I'm wanting to engender a feeling of time passage, and that sort of. Stuff. He would, you know, compose something along those lines. But the 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 first the, the opening theme that constitutes the theme tune we did know by that stage quite early. So when I went to the graphic designers and said, I want this idea of woodcut prints animated and burning up, and the fire of England burning to come around. And, and gather around Wessex and stuff, um, when I gave them that brief, um, I had her voice in my ear already because John had already got uh, early recordings of her and early early work with her as a sort of sample, if you like, even if we didn 't have the finished product. yeah very very cool That's yeah okay. the music the music i think is is, is so uh, is so part of its distinctiveness and and the big time there's such a sort of I, I, mean, I, I love it at the end of episode two when you, when he 's arrested and you start to hear. He's carried away. And he's going bit okay, okay. And You hear going pff, ch- pff, you hear her voice yeah, yeah, getting yeah. going, and then oh fuck, yeah. you know it's all, all going to kick off. Um, yeah, nice sense of threat. It's beautiful. Mm.
0: Now in episode one, we get our first big battle scene, and it's a pretty large scale. I would I would say, mm. um, you know, when when um, Uhtred and and um, some of the other leaders from Northumbria go and faced Uba and his Danes. Yeah. Um, this scene really caught our attention. I mean, just the the Viking whispering as they approach, and then we get our first couple shield walls, which we find to be iconic with the show. Could you talk a little bit about what it was like filming that battle scene?
1: The the shield wall wasn't due to come out until later in the season. Oh, and I uh, made the case that if you've read the books. Shield wall is absolutely iconic with the way the Vikings thought, and 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 I felt it was it was it was a way of saying you're not in Kansas anymore. You guys yeah. are fucked. This <laughs> is a new species have arrived. So the whispering came from again from a similar desire to sort of think these guys are going to conduct themselves while the rest while the Saxon world is going yeah. these guys are going to freak you out. There's nothing worse than. There's nothing worse than a guy who clearly isn't even slightly afraid of fighting. That's terrifying. Right. And so I wanted this sort of, this everything, the conduct, just to unsettle Utrecht, to unsettle the Northumbrians, um, and, and for them to try and win over with bluster. But just think, you, 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 are, you are a calamitous, crashing horde against guys that really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, that, so when the filming of it, you get a lot of action sequences that that are just, and i and, and, you know that there's they 're hard to do because they are as in, narrative is as important in action as, as it is in anything else, and every shot needs to contribute to the narrative there needs to be cause and effect, so I really wanted the a sense of us seeing the mechanics of that shield wall play out, and the narrative of them passing the narrative of them going and revealing, oh my god, there 's more waiting in the ditch, oh my god there 's the so you you get to add up what's happening. And Spielberg's a genius at this, of course, is, his action sequences. You know they're in the thing, the car, they're climbing down the tree, the car is falling off them, and you can see the mechanics of the propeller coming up behind the guy and he's punching, you know. Whatever it be, he gives away the mechanics. And, and you can learn an awful lot from that sort of thing. And so, so that's what we were keen to do, to see when they were digging their feet and to see when they were going to Gather behind the the, the the vulnerability they they had the 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 calamitous nature of their fighting against the organised structure of theirs. Yeah. all of those things were were were, were integral to to that. Yeah. Now we knew we had bigger battles lying ahead in the season. We knew this was just the Northumbrians meeting one skirmish, but and I didn't want we didn't want to sort of blow our wad at the beginning, budget wise and expectation wise in the first, in the first salvo but really wanted this feeling of it, but and that's patient filming that because when we were filming that the mud is this deep it is oh, freezing the like horses are impatient the extras are freezing cold it, you you it takes i can't stand filming battle scenes I'm honest with you because it takes it takes an hour to set up and you are just all in the you're doing what's in the show, there's no, you don't run, If you do a normal drama scene, you run the whole scene two or three minutes of talking, you say, great, we'll be able to cut that together and let's just shoot from here, shoot from here. If you're doing an action scene like this, you're doing, I need a sword coming through between the uh, the shields and I need, the right. whatever, I need, okay, go, ready, and you're half an hour prep and the ding, the stunt guys, turn over, the camera rolls, put the board in, okay, scene two, go, action, action, sh- cut good okay great uh, next you know it's half an hour of that for this moment a bit so it's it's and nobody else on set can sort of see how the scene is forming so you have five days in a freezing cold field and nobody can really see how it's going together i'm the only one that can see in my head how it's cutting together and so it right. makes sense to me but everybody else can feel can feel a bit um a bit Disjointed, a bit lost, actors included. So it's really, uh, action sequences are terribly, terribly hard to, to, um, to shoot because you know that this is why they're done well with hundred million dollar budgets because you can put resources into waiting. And uh, you know, I've got friends of mine shot battle of the bastards and stuff, and that's that's three weeks of filming. Uh, Wow, three weeks. Uh, Liam uh, Cunningham on Game of Thrones is telling me they did one of their seasons. They had six weeks of night shoot for one battle. Which
2: is yeah, I think crazy. the uh, the end one with the uh, yeah. the White Walkers. Right, I think that one right. was yeah, right. yeah. It's a
1: whole episode <laughs> battle. That's crazy. You know what I mean? That's and that's loads of units all doing the turnover action. Shh, good cut. You know, it's it's incredibly oh. difficult, incredibly hard.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine though not getting to see the uh, see the shield wall at that point because um, that what for me, mean? like you said, it sets it up as that you know alien invader different yes. different people that you've never seen before sort of thing. yeah yeah
1: and we we were we were thinking it might be better to sort of save it the, d- the debate came not because we because you know this i'm terribly clever and nobody else was but we, we were debating do we save it till later and reveal it and all that sort of stuff but i well, on balance we thought it's just it's it's let's get it let's really learn that but you know in truth steve once you see something and it's there. You can't ever imagine it. It's like me saying, What if uh-huh. an actor played, played Alfred? Go, no way, it can't be. Well, of course. Yeah. And yeah. I'm the same. I think, How could we ever have thought that she could have played that part or whatever? Um, right. But uh, in truth, once it's, once it's formed, once it's concreted in your mind, you shouldn't be able to. You should struggle to convert it into anything. Wow.
0: So for that battle, did you have like a storyboard and like going into it? And then, did it come out just as you kind of imagined it, or?
1: Um, no, I mean, in the, in the edit, you always help, but you have to have yeah. a. You, you, you always do, but you have to have um, a plan. And yes, storyboard. I don't tend yeah. to storyboard okay. uh, again from my sort of documentary, slightly sort of slapdash background. Um, but you don't. You do you do board that sort of stuff because stunts are like you know they're like love scenes they're like sex scenes you need to agree in advance what it is you're going to do everybody needs to know what's going to happen you can't you know you can't wing it you can't hey guys just fight you know um, any more than you can say hey just make out you know you've got to <laughs> uh, although I, I, I now I now discover that some directors do exactly that but anyway um, <laughs> um, yeah who knew um, but no you 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 do you have to and 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 the, the boards. Uh, which I probably maybe I don't have anywhere, but yeah, they they uh, they do have a foot sliding on the thing, and this guy and him calling and yeah, and the E. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 because because when you're in tight situations and time is precious on set and lots sort of stuff, it is very useful. The point to say, guys, we're doing that, so the AD department can say he's doing that next. Set this up. Let's have that ready, or what have you. Um, sure. And, and, and then you've got complicated things like Matt, the, the visual effect of Matthew McFadyen being run over by a horse and then getting to his feet. You can, right. Of course, you can't run him over with a horse. You have to digitally add one shot to another and hit, hit him with a blue mattress. and then, you know, so, so anyway, there's a gotcha. sort of put together of all of that, which is, um, which is complicated. But yes, in terms of its shape, I knew I wanted this, all of that, then to lead to a stick hitting a boy on the head. You know, that, that idea of everything coming down to down. child, that, that, that moment, that blackout. So it had a, it, we knew it had this sort of shape. To yeah.
2: Another scene you've alluded to a couple of times too was the, the barn burning down when Kjartan has betrayed Ragnar and Ragnar comes out just swinging on fire. Uh, can, can you tell us about this scene here then?
1: Talk about epic. Okay. So if you can imagine, what, can you imagine how I would have felt at age 19? I, and I said, Daddy, I want to be a director. If I'd been told that one day I'd be shooting a scene where a man bursts out of a flaming barn on fire and has a sword fight. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And so, so the sheer lunacy of that was just incredibly appealing. And yeah, no kidding. There are days on set where you turn to your director of photography or, or whoever is standing closest, and go, oh "My God, you know, why we're we being paid to be here?" <laughs> um, that was great—a great laugh. Obviously, uh, you 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 know how how we did it was. He is uh, the the the, um, the stunt man in this case was gas tanked up, he's wearing a mask and his breathing apparatus is running underneath his mask and they fit a helmet round it and all that sort of stuff. And he, he rehearsed a series of moves that he was going to do that the rest of the stunt team fighting him knew that he was gonna do. So he's blind, he can't see obviously. So he knows that on cue he's gonna be lit, he's gonna be rushing forwards where the doors are gonna blow open. He's gonna take five steps and then he's gonna go through his actions. And they they put their swords in the way, as if they are the one precipitating the movement from him, so it's like the it's like the tail wagging the dog if you' know. okay mm. um and he knows that after a certain amount of time he's going to hit the ground, and he's I needed him to stab his sword into the ground and then drop um and after a certain beat, then everybody runs in, and they cover him and pull him off and everything. we We did. Two takes. It was very painful to have to say I need another take. (laughs) The the guy's mask came up "Uh," and we were (laughs) high-fiving and all that sort of shit. It was fucking great. But we had time. And Nigel Marchand, the wonderful executive producer, was saying, look, we've got the people. We've got the time. We've got the safe procedure. We know we can do this safely. We've got the things. It would be crackers not to do it again. And, and he, of course he's right, because we could relocate the cameras and get double the thing and all that sort of thing. But the poor kid's face when he had to um, do it again. Bless him. But um, yeah. So so then that and that was done at the same location, but done on a different night okay. to the actual barn burning. Now the barn you see is two thirds, two 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 sides of the barn. The other two sides aren't built. They're just um, framework um, okay. uh, and the interior of the barn and the and the view out if you like uh was outside as i said to you outside the outside the studio again on the outskirts a bit of Budapest. so we built this barn so we could then step away and light it now the gap the gap we rigged it with gas flames we 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 just just as we had done to the interior of the barn and we augmented it with visual effects on the interior but we they rigged the outside with gas piping so when they lit it, it could go And it had rained or rain was in the air. It was a couple of days earlier or something like that. And there was nervousness that, hang on, is this thing going to go? And this is one take, Willie. Okay. You don't get to burn two barns. It's just, you know, you get, you get this right. So we put every lens we had on it. and all Um, I was operating one of the spare cameras. Chaz was operating one of the cameras who were running around getting what shots we could. And we'd given ourselves a, I know I can go here and not get in his shot, and I know I can go here and not get in her shot. So, so we 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 knew what our sphere of operation was, and we would get what shots we could of the barn. But because they were worried about the, the the damp, they really rigged it. So when it went, mm-hmm. it went, and and we we couldn't. You could not stand, two hundred feet away. You could not in, in the wide shots. You could not you had to be very careful you we weren't damaging the lens and the map box and that sort of stuff. It was ferociously hot. And we wet down all the other surrounding buildings, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew that when we shot the the guy fighting, we were gonna shoot him against the blue screen so we could put it in, him into that shot, into that wide shot. Because in reality, no, not, no living thing could go within 50 feet of that building wow. and, and survive when it, was, when it was actually going. So the the, the shots you see of him, Actually, them all fighting in the foreground next to the burning barn. Those two, are, those two, are, those are patched together because of the, gotcha. of the sheer frosty of the heat. Um, but what a fun, what a fun shoot to, to to do! An absolute laugh. Seeing that thing go up into the night sky was just just gorgeous. You know
0: oh my god yeah very memorable very very memorable scene from the show and you yeah, right. have a guy on fire swinging yeah sword. i know i know oh, and whoa. i think
1: i can't remember who did it in planning somebody said hey what if he rides his horse and his horse is on fire I said,
2: <laughs> shut up <laughs> <fuck>
1: up! <laughs> Peta will kill us can you imagine yeah. no um it was quite enough yeah it's great yeah that was great scene. great fun
0: some of these scenes that you do, it's just hard to comprehend the complexities of them. we, we mentioned the scene where uh, young Uhtred and um, Raven are talking and all that stuff is going on in the background. can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about about what it's like to coordinate a scene like that and try to make again, it run smoothly?
1: yeah again you, you've got to um, insulate one from the other. so you've got a young, a young man, a young boy, uh, inexperienced actor gifted his ears and he is undeniably gifted. Acting with a with a with an older man who's who's got loads of dialogue. He's he was eighty, I think, at the time we shot that. Loads of dialogue. It's a load to remember. So, and you've got a stunt department operating, and you've also got a hundred extras who can't make a sound because, of course, they can't. When you are shooting the dialogue, they can't be going "ooh ah." They've got to just be doing what they're doing, but just doing it. You know, <laughs> miming. and um, so. The, the, yeah that was that was really that was really time consuming and and, and it's almost like the ad department had to take over on everything that was beyond the balcony and the timing of all of that while i concentrated on the on the two actors but i i knew the timing i wanted to go wide so when shooting that i did we didn't just run the whole scene as a two shot we would say okay give me the two lines before running up to her being hoisted because i because i could then knew when the timing was i didn't just sort of uh, okay. say hey, you just do your you hoist her up and down and we'll just do our chat and let's hope it falls in a good place I want a bit more control over that so yeah we did those in specific points and then when you're into the actual closer coverage obviously none of that background stuff is happening so they can concentrate more on, that, on their on their performance but here's, here's, a, here's a true story the, the in that scene um, he says that don't take all men from, men who take orders from the gods are unpredictable okay it's a brilliant line. It's, it's, yeah. it's Steve Richard's superb line. Um, Rooker struggled with the word unpredictable. He could, he could never remember the word. He would say unreliable or something on set. He never got the right word. And, and because of the nature of the way we were shooting and the time and all of that sort of stuff, we did, couldn't go again and again and again. And everything else in the scene was great. Yet. He said, right. don't worry. Do we'll ADR it. We'll loop it afterwards and put it in. Um, and one thing after, one thing led to another, he couldn't come to London to do his looping. So he had to stay in Amsterdam and we could never get the sound of unpredictable right. And in the, mm. in the offline edit with a little voice recorder mm. in the offline, I'd i gone into the corner of the cutting room and unpredictable. But listen, we put that in the edit just for the viewings to go off to Netflix and BBC. And so they know the line and all that sort of stuff. And anyway, recording down the line with Rocco, and the the uh, or the dialogue supervisor. I said, I said, it doesn't, but Rucker can't see me. And I say to Ian, it doesn't sound like the same thing. It doesn't sound, Ian said, don't worry, it'll sound the same. I'll fiddle with it. I'll do the little tune. Okay. No problem. So we come to the actual mix, and sure enough, it sounds absolutely spot on. Oh my God, it sounds absolutely <laughs> unpredictable. It sounds absolutely just like him And he says, it's your voice. <laughs> <laughs> he taken that word, unpredictable, uncredited. Uh, is my is 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 mine? It's my it's my little Hitchcockian cameo. Um,
0: Well, not um, only do we have do we need your name, we have it as director and a co-executive producer, but now we need your name with the actors, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I I, I, I think I
1: think flashing among the actors as it goes up. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Fireworks. Exactly. Special mention. (laughs) The
1: confetti, text thing. That's it, you've got the idea. With <laughs> oh, marching ants around my name. Yeah. That is
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: No, that was great. That was a fun scene.
0: Yeah. Very, very cool. Is there a favorite scene that you did in those two episodes?
1: Do you know? I like the I like the madness of them escaping in in Oxford when they when, when he when he collects um Serpent's Breath. I I, yeah. I like that. Um, that idea that they suddenly know they have to go get to the horses and 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 the chaos of it all, and again as you as you can probably gather now, I like shape in action scenes, so l- leading to to the point coming through the door and the, the that running away being sort of chaotic but ending in quite some in some precision so
2: um, yeah. so yeah, so, yeah.
1: yeah I, en- I, en- I enjoyed shooting that and, and of course, it was madness because everything was muddy and, and, and what have you but uh, but yeah, so I enjoyed shooting that. I loved, I loved the Barry and scene with Jason Fleming being shot with arrows. I, I thought he was oh. I thought he was tremendous. I just thought the measure of that idea of humour and the okay, okay, we'll we'll forget about the washing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so it's so clever, cool. uh, you know. how... We'll dispense uh, with, <laughs> the need to, dispense with the needs of the exactly right. yeah, yeah. That's um, brilliant! So so cleverly judged by him, and and and, and arriving, thinking he's got this fight on his hands, and oh my god! And he gets into this just mad, mad experiment in rationale by by is just amazing. <laughs> um, uh, that 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 I, yeah, I think that scene that scene as a piece of drama, I'm I'm uh, I'm particularly proud of. I, I just think that's so easy for those things to be dull, and and you know, to to judge that that ebb and flow of it, and his nervousness, and the, the way he it goes straight from a man hitting hitting the floor full of arrows, bang, straight onto the jeopardy that Uhtred finds himself in, and that really personifies a lot of what uh, what what the show is is like, the ability to flip from from almost sort of dark levity into into um, into you know genuine threat and genuine jeopardy. So 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 easily and 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 you know that to to see Rune and to see uber in his full flow is it was um was just great because it's, it's incredible and there's another moment there's another moment i really like and, and it involves story and it's not in the script actually as you, okay. as, you, as i hope you gather i i credit steve butchard with so much of this show it's so much down to him totally but it wasn't in the script when they were they were in york and they were in Etherwich and they were discussing um, Ubo is discussing whether they're going to fight or not. And, oh yes, yes, yes. Um, and there's some comment that Story makes about being old. He says, "Do I look old?" He goes, "No, I'm just what? Yeah. No, no, I'm just no, I'm just saying, do I look old to you? or something?" And they improvise that. It's oh weird. really? Yeah, yeah. He just no, no, I'm just and and I thought, God, that's exactly what it is. I'm talking about with the modernity of it. And and not to overcook it, it wasn't overcooked. It didn't come into sort of Joey from Friends sort of territory, but it was, it was, it was enough human. And I thought you don't see that in you don't see that human, uh, those human wrinkles in yeah. in, uh, in in the genre. But you know, even as I talk through these things, you talk about favourite scenes. I think the most pleasant filming day of my career came shooting the opening sequence in copenhagen because we had done everything we'd shot the whole thing and i'd i'd insisted we didn't want to build a bloody boat on green screen and have somebody standing on the prow flicking water i wanted to be on a boat i wanted to feel you wow. on a boat with boats so we found a boat uh one of two that continued to sail in in the world in copenhagen um, and and at some expense we Got the crew together, we got a weekend there, and we were only free. We measured them up, we fit them for costumes, all that sort of stuff. They are mad enthusiasts, in, in the best way, I mean, enthusiasts of, of Viking ships and Viking technology, which was the space shuttle of its day, let me tell you. They're far enough right. from everything else being built in the world. They're, those shallow boats could bend, they, they, they bent with the waves, they go straight into low, into low harbors and bays and attack straight away as an attack ship, not a second vessel, just a sergeant. Sail around the world, across the Atlantic, um, but we found ourselves—we we were in a fjord, we were in a we were sort of inner in sea, in doing the pretending. That's a that was the river, the Northumbrian river, for those rowing scenes. Right, and we did those scenes, and we did some boat to boat and all that sort of stuff. And then we the, the following day, again beautiful weather. The following day, we took it out to sea, and under sail, in the quiet of that. We filmed those guys climbing rigging and knowing how the boat worked. And Kjartan, the actor, like a little boy. He's a Danish kid. He's you know, again, he's a you know, he's flashed back in time. He's he's sitting there on the tiller steering with this big grin yeah. on his face, loving it. And that's not acting. That's just oh my god, I'm a kid. It's like being allowed to go in the space program for a Danishman. No, it's it's for a Dane. And we shot that, and then we, we, I wanted some helicopter shots and and uh, we had to get off and do the, the boat to boat and, and the, even better, one of the one of the camera assistants had been incredibly violently ill, which was hilarious of course um, so we, we we climbed aboard on the the boat ship the uh, the, the camera boat, and we 're taken away back to back towards base to give the, the helicopter with its storyboards that i have done for them the last hour and a half with the light and then. We leave them sailing their boat, and we we sail away, not filming, just watching this this Viking ship on the horizon of the sea and outside Copenhagen. My God, I mean, just what a privilege! There's things that people have to go and sell bloody insurance and offices, and they have to lie under vehicles and fix them, and they have to reach inside people's mouths and worse yeah. than that. And I get to do that and burn barns and wow, have f- sword fights on fire and uh, it's just what a privilege. And we 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 hit we made land and we found a barn. I I had the biggest, most expensive because it is over there, the biggest, most glorious golden bucket of beer. Oh, what a day! That was absolutely wow. And, and I, I still Chaz and I still talk about that day. And in fact, I exchange messages with Alexander. Um, William, the uh, the, uh Kiarton right. Um, about it, because it just, it, it was one of those things that where all the cards landed face up. It just went. Sounds straight. like magic. Sounds yeah, magic. It, it, was, it was magic. You get a real actor standing in front of a real boat with the real sea in his, in his, in his face, and just utter, utter, what a gift. Yeah. And I think it did, I think it does matter to the audience. It really does matter. There's no mistaking that that's actually happening. There's no cinematic gloss. You feel that there are people on the boat and they've come a long way. I think that's that's terribly important to the show.
0: It's so important. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And one thing I do remember from some of the the scenes on the boat are when the Vikings start mooning, actually
1: <laughs> on the side there. <laughs> that's Steve Butchart's sense of humour. That's Steve's sense of humour. He's a scouser and uh, as am I really. I come from outside Liverpool, but he's a heart of Liverpool scouser, and that is absolutely his sense of humour. Yeah. That that. The, 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 it's also a way of telling the audience this isn't going to conduct itself as you expect it to. It's not going to play out because in three scenes' time, the kid's going to have his head held up out of a sack. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be brutal, but we're, we're we're still going to have bottoms. It's just it's terribly funny. I think it, I think it's tremendous warmth about it, and, and and what a wonderful way of undermining the sort of the the uh, the, the pompous attitude of the Saxons at that time. Just, right. Is great
0: yeah. and the more playful nature of the danes, um, and also one thing we really like is the kind of the curiosity the Danes seem to have where the Christians are very narrow minded that their God is the God, so, and the Danes don't discount the Christian God, they just don't know about it and and hmm. Abba trying to learn about it from um, Jason Fleming there and um, hmm. those scenes you and, of course,
1: and of course um, uh, God, his name slips me um, becomes a major part of it uh, with U in the in that place. oh Guthrum. G- Guthrum. Um, oh yeah, Guthrum becomes becoming, genuinely. Yeah. Guthrum becomes genuinely interested in it, yeah. and I believe historically did convert to Christianity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- all of that, the mooning and the and that attitude, all goes towards that ambiguity about whose side you're actually on, and that's what the th- that's what ultimately we we didn't conceive this going out that the audience would we would ask the audience to pick. Are you a Dane? Are you a are you a Satur? right? But that underpins the whole thing, and the fun of that which which do you call yourself, which do you identify with yeah, and that was um the, 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 those sorts of warm moments and the, the ease with which they took their pants down and removed people's heads was was all part of uh, was part of that dane identity, which just gorgeous totally
0: and another moment, I got to ask if you, if it made you laugh when you were filming it uh, with story on the horse
1: yeah, um, well, yeah. <laughs> What a lovely guy, though! How good of him to do that—to lie on a horse and have a branch stuck up. His- I mean, it wasn't that far up his um, ass. <laughs> yeah, <that> far.
2: five <laughs> or six inches.
1: Come on! Um, yeah, again, that's Steve. That's Steve butchard That's that's great. And 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 all of that. I mean, you know, he laid there patiently. And it was drizzling with rain in that scene. You can probably huh. see the damp on their hair and i thing. It was drizzling with rain and. I'm not sure it wasn't day three of filming. It was quite early. It was quite early and, and it was hard for everybody and we were only just getting used to the way that Chaz and I wanted to work, which was very on the very low tech, very move fast, go, move. We're up there, on the hill, go. Everybody jumped in their little vehicles. We weren't a big clumbering unit um, as a lot of TV and film is. But we were up on there and, and he lay there and then the stuntman... The stunt um When when it went shooting off, we did a few takes, and on one of the takes, the stuntman fell off naked with the branch in his arms. So, <laughs> yeah, so not fun. Yeah,
2: oh god, um, god. there
1: was a sort of sense of oh my god, are you okay? Suddenly, right. we out, oh my god. Um, yeah, but he we, he he held on for one of them, and we, we used that. But plus, in the middle of it is 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 delicate dialogue, and and I wanted the sense of. Them arguing about the very nature of what they Amen. were, uh, much like the the, the the lady being tortured in the background mm, to a right. certain the man and boy. Um, them arguing about what they were to put humour tickling off into the distance. Um, yeah. and, and to really marry those two things together, and that again comes in the essence of what Steve's ambitions were for the for the for the for, the, for the, the way these scenes are conducted. When they debate how to how to get in and kidnap story, when they when she decides when she realises. Kidnapping story is the answer. Taking a hostage is the answer. Right. And that scene about should we hump tonight? It was like right. oh, man, that was a great. It was totally pure boot shot. I think we should hump. And then this little pause. I'm enjoying the thought of it. Oh, you fucking, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um,
0: the timing not, of it, and yeah. Yeah, timing
1: is just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And that was that was one of the scenes that I, as a screen test, I did with when Alex came over to England. I did with Emily and Alex, we went into a woodland near my house. I live in London, but there's obviously parks and that sort of stuff. And one of them is quite heavily wooded. Um, and we went off and we, and, and some kids had built a sort of den of sorts out of sticks. So I sat them down there and just on my phone, filmed them together. just wanted to see how the two of them reacted and interacted and, yeah. and, uh, and whatever. And that was one of those scenes. So it was always one we were looking forward to, uh, to doing and then cutting to her saying, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Cutting to her, um her uh, changing her mind. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and
0: yeah. then in in episode one, when he first goes to to lay with her, and he rides up on the horse, and he just doesn't say a word. <laughs> He's
2: just going. Yeah. Popular gift now. That's uh, a very yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I'll send it to Colby now too. Even. <laughs>
1: yeah, good. Good. Oh no, that that was. um that was we, we the cinematic choices you make and often the, mm-hmm. the where, you know we, we we were struggling with what would he shot what 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 would he say what would he not say and sorts of stuff and if ever you're debating what they say what should they say what shouldn't they the answer is probably don't say anything um, oh, okay yeah. and and so I thought well actually these two these two people who know each other very well and I like the idea they get straight down to it and they don't there isn't a sort of missionary position lovey dovey about <laughs> it but it's the uh, we're going we're going to do this so let's let's right. do this
2: it's like a couple um, of teenagers uh you know just yeah no a couple just, of teenagers um,
1: exactly and also what emily emily cox is a super actor but what, what emily has one of the reasons i gave her the part if you like is when she releases joy for all breeders sort of concerns and her thinking right. and her thoughts and her angst and everything, when joy comes out it's just the most intoxicating beguiling thing so her laughing, laughing at being caught having sex in Oxford by the kids, watching them and throwing the thing at them and laughing at right. that moment where he's entering her and she finds it funny. These are incredibly important dramatic moments because, because it's selling sex as a different mannerism in those mm-hmm. days to what, to, to what you and I would, would, would describe traditionally on screen as a sort mm. of a way couples have sex, but not doing it in a <laughs> sort of way. It's got... You know, it's got it's got fun, and it's just got a, all it is a slight twist in the in the cultural sensibilities that lead to it, in the way that underpin it. But it's still it's still fun, and consensual, engaging, different sex. It's just uh, a good laugh. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
0: A lot of the actors have talked about how you give a lot of freedom to them. Um, so is that something you always try to take in to, to I think you waste.
1: Good, I think you waste a good cast, Kobe, unless you do. I think you, you, mm-hmm. you have to engender a, a sense of, of give it a go. try it. Right. I, will, I will put my hand in the air if it doesn't work. I will tell you. I'm not going to make you look silly. I'm just, you know, risk it. have a, have a crack. and and also the feeling with, the, with, the, with that filming approach we talked about with Chaz and the lighting approach. and yeah. um, the ability for actors to do different things each time. So don't feel you need to stand on that line. Don't feel you need to come forward and hit this mark and thing. You, can, you just, just own the scene, own the space, and I'll shout if it's, if it's awkward. And so often as not, we did by take eight or whatever. We are, we do end up doing similar things, but it's come from a place of ownership and it's come from a place of, of, uh, of freedom and, and the feeling that they have that they feel they can, if they wish, they can, they can do it different. Um, gives them a greater sense of ownership, and 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 the, and, and, and therefore comes come, what comes with that is a greater sense of truth in the scene and the performance. So, I, I I I I it's very sweet to hear them say that because I, uh, and it's they, they've been they've been as sweet to me in person. But the it, I think it's hugely important in whatever style of filmmaking you're pursuing that the actor feels in possession of something.
2: Absolutely. Mm. So, what other passions do you have outside of directing and film? What's some other things that you're interested in? I,
1: I am the most tedious, boring. Uh, we call it DIY. You call it home improvement. Do you? Um, yeah, do it yourself. Yeah, do it yourself. Do not get me started on the joys of power tools. It's just I, I drive my wife insane. Um, <laughs> no, th- that really, and 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 Liverpool Football Club, and I, I demonstrate right. this. Very cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, like um, I follow them when we were playing. Uh, the season's been closed with COVID, but um, mm. we resume shortly. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, like anything else, movie watching really, Steve. It's just um, I, I, I like I like watching stuff I couldn't make. Oh, I, like what? Um, I, just things I think I'm quite. Jal- if you meet any actor or director that tells you they're thrilled to bits they've seen a wonderful film, they're sort of lying. Um, if they feel that they could have been in line to make it you know I'm, one, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a horrible person okay so I want everybody everything I you know, if I haven't actually made it myself I, I, I want it to be absolutely awful so I, I but I don't feel that when I see something like Parasite or, or a foreign language hmm. film or a Michael Bay film or a Spielberg or something that I have no interest in making I got great admiration for that so when you know so I, I you know get as much out of watching the Marvel films as I do from Tarkovsky because I because it's just all such a broad experiment in a uh, broad expression of our of, of of thing. So what I tend to watch is that's what I mean. I don't, I, I'll tend to watch Leviathan and right. Marvel or something. So things uh-huh. like that are outside, outside my sphere of, uh, of operation. Very
0: cool, very cool. Um, and do you have any other big goals for yourself?
1: Um, why doesn't somebody make Tarzan? Why doesn't somebody make Tarzan properly? You've got a guy that's, that's embedded cu- in, in a different culture and world. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to, I'd love to make that. I'd love to make that not in this white man saves the world sort of way. Just, just white man grows up in a culture and learns about it, respects it, mm-hmm. has a different attitude to it, brings that into a situation and is feral. Um, and it's, 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 I saw a brilliant interview with Muhammad Ali the other day talking about why is it that a white man grows up among animals and he can talk to animals and the, the, the Africans grow up among them and they can't. What's, what's that? <laughs> so I'd love to, I'd love to revisit, reconstruct mm. the Tarzan myth because, because it's so bloody white and annoying at the moment, this idea of, um, of of the white feral among the, oh. the, the, the wild natives. This is this is this is madness and I'd love to uh, retell that. But no, I, I you know I, I'm I don't sit at home and, and say I want to make a Viking show. I don't sit at home look I made a, I made a thing about Chernobyl um sometime mm-hmm. I made it I have to say um touchy subject. Um but the but you know i didn't sit before that i wrote and directed that and i didn't sit there thinking i want to make a thing about Chernobyl until until somebody asked me about what disaster i would like to make a film about or something so i thought, find things as they as they come to me i, d- I don't tend to um harbor okay. desires you know and i you know i have shows in with hulu and whatever and and, and and hopefully make those but it's not it's not like i sit there and think one day i want to one day i want to do this because I, I i i think when people do that you know, you sit in interviews and you, you, you can sort of retrofit a logic to your career that wasn't there, and you'll hear people, actors and directors, talk about I felt it was time to – no, you didn't. You just got sent the script. What are you talking about? You know, and, and that was just the box that was open, you opened and went for, and, and it's not by such construct. So I, 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 that's how I live my life. I, don't wait to, I, I look at what's most interesting that they send me, and, cool. and now the lucky thing is I get sent quite a quite a bit, so I get to pick. But um, yeah, I don't I don't have any uh, too too much preconceived ideas.
2: Yeah. Cool. I just saw the trailer for the uh, the Christmas Carol movie that you did mm. that uh, came out last year. I, I yeah. definitely want to check that out because it looks so different and yeah. interesting and. Uh, but yeah, but it, again, again,
1: I, what you do, you do, you do jobs because you get the chance to make them interesting and make right. them different. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't want uh, the Christmas Carol was an audit FX, by the way, wanted to be this traditional sort of Dickens, this soft, cuddly sort of, ah, come in Mr. Fuddle Puddle, you know, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. So Mr. Fuddle Puddle, by the way, became like a goose leg for that show, you know, just don't <laughs> make it too cuddly Dickens. Don't make it too goose leg. Um, and so yeah so that, that that that's why i wanted to give it this sort of this this uh visual style that was that was all constructed around the way a the way a a, a victorian magician would imagine the, uh, the 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 supernatural world to be um and the fun in that but uh, but yeah so so i go through different disciplines the next thing i'm doing is going to feel i can't say what it is but it's going to feel more like a Cassavetes film than 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 it is anything else so um shooting on film set in the 60s almost no lighting very very sort of um bare um again just to uh mix it up to mix it up with.
2: are you able to tell us when we might hear something about this project well or? to be honest it's,
1: it's covid dependent um yeah, it, 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 that, that's the, that's the tricky thing and we're waiting we're now we've now gone into hiatus on it we were we were soft prepping we picked our main locations um it is likely we we'll shoot january so, it'll be for delivery before Christmas. Um, okay. The Sony pictures.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll definitely be looking out for future projects yeah. from you. Uh,
1: Thank you. I've, I've, I've loved it. I, I'm, I'm hopeless for talking about myself and I'm very proud of the show. Just delightful. So, it's great talent involved and great people. And, yeah.
2: Delightful. We love shedding light on it because um, even though it's gaining a lot more popularity and still training, there still isn't a lot out there. And, yeah. you know, we're huge fans of it. So, it was.
1: It's a busy market, and I think I, when I look around the busy market, I think more and more stuff is being made familiar. But I don't see anything that looks like, looks and feels like Last Kingdom. There's and nothing, that, and I love its its it, its focus on on humans trying to do the right thing and just big passionate, um, you know, this is truthful connection. truthful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a great show. I um, am delighted to see it's gained. In many ways, it's gained a deeper traction than uh, than 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 it did when it first came out, and it's um, it's it's kept its strength, which I think is just tremendously tremendously hard to do with a show. Yeah.
0: Again, it everything that came after season one still hints back, it seems, to season one and those threads that were created back then. Um, yeah I'm, I'm
1: the, the that, that was certainly the intention when we set it up it's like I, I came up with the amber thing because I wanted this sense of this I knew mm-hmm. the story was going to go off in all sorts of directions and I wanted him to carry with him a reminder of what what it was he first saw Bevan what we first saw that yeah. through what it, what it is that sort of half murky half tree what is Bevan um, yeah and And so that was very that was done very much with the with the understanding that we're gonna it's gonna be always with it and when after when when they jump off their horses, they talk about finding finding beauty not constructing it when they have escaped um together and they know that their only hope is to go to wessex right um they they jump off a horse and they talk and the light come, he's still got his sword on and she's saying, where can we go? And he says, we can go to Wessex. She says, oh, they'll kill us there. But the, the sunlight, the evening sunlight is coming yeah. through the amber. And just that glow of this is what's in his mind. This is what, so it's using those little motifs. And I'm, I'm pleased to see Serpent's Breath. I mean, it's iconic in the book, Serpent's Breath. Yeah. I'm pleased to see it, him, her, whatever that is. Um, Remain the the notional idea about what but what belonging, what identity actually is, uh, and it for is a art. big part of
2: Uchard's identity for sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the Ember is is from the books. Yeah, I think that no, the Ember is, um, is that's new. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I mean, they they really had it again this season too. They tie it
0: into his daughter's costume. She wears a small necklace with it in season four too. So that it's still mm-hmm. yeah, they mm-hmm. they still tie that in.
1: Well, here you go. There's a little. Uh, I can...
0: Hey, look at that! Oh, nice. That is
1: awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. I keep I keep one prop from everything, and that, oh, okay. So that, that was it. That is
0: awesome, Very cool. Well you've given us a lot of your time and we really appreciate you
2: being yes, generous sir. with your time. Uh, Steve is there anything else you want to ask real quick? While
0: no
1: no
2: is, is there anything else from you Nick that you want to talk about or give the fans or anything like that?
1: no I just gratitude. Um, gratitude. I, I, you know, we, we set out to give, give our audience ownership of the characters in the story and never feel they were being treated like idiots and never feel that they were right. um, taken for granted and, and the easter eggs we live, leave in there, the little bits, the detail, the human granular detail that they spot and love, uh, I'm, I'm just proud and grateful that they they, they stay with it and proud that they can still see it. Yeah.
0: it's awesome to hear about what you were going for with what you wanted the audience to react to it and take ownership because it's it's pretty much spot on to how Steve and I perceived it as viewers when we right. first watched it so you you absolutely nailed it, you absolutely nailed the casting um, really did. Yeah, they, yeah. Oh, we got very,
1: very lucky. I and mean, huge, huge Even down to now, I forget his name. Brian colonel um, Brian. Um, Verno, oh, Brian Vernon. Uh, young Otto. Young Otto. Yes, course, Young Otto. Yeah. How can I not? Um, yeah. Fantastic. What a wonderful performance. And that sort of, you know, um I'm not a virgin, but so he's, just, he's <laughs> just, just every detail like that. Harry McIntyre. Just, just superb. Harry McIntyre. Um, uh, human detail uh, of all of that. I, I you know, I, 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 could rewatch those things. In fact, you know what? Genuinely, it, I could. Now we're in lockdown. I've run out of DIY jobs. I might just go and, and watch the whole damn thing again. <laughs> you,
2: should, you, should.
0: you should. We were it all <laughs> well, the whole time. But
1: yeah, I no, sure. I could. And particularly hearing you talk about episode one and the, and the um, that process and Ragnar and the barn and stuff. Yeah, it's happy memories for me. Understand? It's good. Uh, happy time. That is, awesome.
0: that is awesome. Thank you, boys. Hey, Thank we really you. appreciate you Thank coming you. on. No problem at all. Yep. And Thank if you me. want to uh, check out more of the Screen Chronicles, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I'll check out Nick Murphy's IMDb. And uh, anything else you want of uh, where people can find you, Nick?
1: Uh, I am on Twitter somewhere. I think okay. Nick, Murph, Nick Murph tweets. Um, I tend to tweet stuff that Trump wouldn't like. Um, <laughs> but that's, or Boris Johnson. Uh, Yeah, left-leaning.
2: We'll link that down below, too. people find them out there, check them out. Great director. Great talking to you today. And uh, thank you. Have a good one. Take (laughs) care.